Love Talk Radio. Another Wednesday night, I'd like to say a prayer out to the people in the Northeast that a, a crazy hurricane came up or a tropical storm came up there. And the first time I think I ever flooded Darby Creek or, or flooded the, <laughs> flooded Schuylkill River. But the real dedication, guys, is going to be 
to the people who, who beat cancer, who won that battle against cancer. And gentlemen, you're talking to one right now. Gentlemen, I beat cancer. Great news yesterday from the doctor, so I'm excited about that. It should be a great show tonight. Introduce our legend, Mr. Don Henderson from New Jersey slash Sarasota, Mr. Frank Carroll in the state of Florida, and Mr. Roy Cummings in the Tampa Bay. Roy, what could I say about a great hot, great hockey game this afternoon? Tampa Bay beats Boston. What are your thoughts about that? Great game tonight. Well, yeah, it's a great game to you because the Lightning won. If you're a Bruins fan, it's not a great game. Um, but, uh, you, know, uh, you know, here's the problem. Here's my issue with the Lightning right now is for the second game in a row, Tommy, they, uh, they, they came out strong, took a lead, and then couldn't hold on and the, uh, allowed the other team to come back and basically uh, tie the game and force, uh, you know, a sudden death situation. And, um, you know, went to overtime the first time. They won in a shootout, which you're not going to get in the, when the real playoffs begin. Right. Uh, today, they, you know, they, they found some energy at the end, uh, thankfully for them. And, uh and, you know, and got a goal to, to finish it off so they didn't have to go to overtime. Um, so, you know, look, the result is a result. That's important. That's big. Good for them. But they got to play a little bit better. they got to play 60 minutes, Tommy, or they're going to have some trouble. And, uh, you know, we'll see how they look against Philly on Saturday in the last of these uh, exhibition games. i got to say, uh, you know, I, say, I call it an exhibition game. It's not really an exhibition. I mean, obviously it's a, <laughs> it's a round-robin game. But, I mean, the reason I said that is, and I, I got to be honest, it was a slip of the tongue. Uh, watching the game today, I, I, I sort of got the feeling from the Bruins in the first half of the game that they were kind of almost playing as if, you know, uh, they don't want the first seed, as if they don't want to have to face Columbus or or right. Toronto, whoever comes out of that series, that they, were, they, they maybe have discovered that they want a different matchup. Because I didn't think Boston mm-hmm. looked all that good against Philadelphia. No, and um, so I, I, but I don't know. I, 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 I'm probably wrong about that. But um, look, the Lightning are getting uh, without Steven Stamkos. They're they're getting just enough goal scoring and tremendous goal tending. And uh, but again, I think they got to start playing a little. They got to start playing 60 minutes, you know. And uh, cause I think that could come back to bite them a little bit. I hope, I hope Roy, I'll tell you, I, I pretty much have to agree with what you said because uh, a couple of things. One, uh, they started the game off uh, in the first period with a little more physicality, and it uh, looked like they had a little juice running, and then that dropped out in the second 10 minutes. Uh, and in the second period, uh, the Bruins came on big at first 10 minutes of the second period. After they had scored the two goals, they got it even up. And then it was sort of back and forth, as you say, not a real exciting game. I thought that Coleman took a couple of bad penalties. I I don't know what the oh, hell he gosh, was thinking yeah. of. I mean, that one before the end of the first period. What was the sense of that? Put you in the hole. I mean, they got lucky. They got lucky because the penalty was carried over the end of the period and then into this next one. So uh, they they really got a chance to, to maneuver. Uh, but uh, I, I, didn't, I agree. I did not think it was a very good game. Uh, I think in the end they were very fortunate. Uh, they had a great opportunity with well uh, about a, a minute and a half to go, and uh, they, they they made a bunch of saves there that were uh, outstanding. Uh, but again, I, it was exciting because it was close, but not because it was well played. I thought. Yeah, I didn't, and I didn't really see throughout the game, you know, the intensity that 
they're going to see in the in the when the playoffs really begin, you know, in, in next week for them. Uh, and I didn't see that intensity from Boston either. Um, I saw I, I saw more intensity from Boston, I think, in the first game against Philadelphia than I saw today. And that's kind of what led me to, to to this, you know, my belief or not. I don't know if it's a belief, but you know, to to say that I, I wonder if Boston is playing for a second seed because they don't want they don't like the matchup. Um, against, oh, I don't know why they wouldn't like the matchup against Toronto, but I could see why they wouldn't like the matchup against Columbus if that's the team. Uh, Tampa probably doesn't want that one either again because, again, we saw Columbus in their first game uh, here just do what they do against Toronto, which is shut them down. Now they disappeared in game two, but you know, you're right, Don, and, and I think what uh, Blake Coleman did, you know, I think he was brought in to be a little bit of a an energizer, uh, show a little bit of the grit and the grind and that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I, he doesn't want to have to overdo it. He doesn't, he doesn't want to force it. I, I kind of got the feeling that he was trying to force it there. That, right. You know, he sensed that uh, his team right. wasn't wasn't playing with the edge that they have to play with in order to, you know, be, you know, successful consistently throughout the playoffs. And I think he maybe was trying to rally some guys and, and he took, um, you know, he maybe uh, took it over the line a little bit and force something that he doesn't need to force just yet. So, uh, well, especially their game. Roy, especially the second penalty. I mean, he tackled the guy mm-hmm. from behind like he was like he was out in front of the pack at a football game. He just tackled <laughs> yeah, him. <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, he sure did. Yeah, no question about that. That was not good. Tommy, but Roy, I think the, I think the interesting thing about the Lightning this year, I've, I've noticed in these two games here. Last year, they thought they could go on the ice and score a goal in the series. And get to win the cup that way, but today was today was an indication of the way they played two years ago when he lost out to Washington in Game Seven at the arena. Tyler Johnson, give credit to Tyler Johnson, going toward the net, puck there, bang, score, game over, match over right there, and that's the way they played in, in two thousand in two thousand eighteen, guys. That's the way they played twenty eighteen. I think it's going to be same kind of Lightning team going in there, but the team that scare me. There's two teams in the Eastern Conference. Where you know the number one team, Columbus and John Tortorella. And Carolina scares me too because they they beat the New York Rangers team up there. And that's going to be. You hear a lot of kids. In, I hear a lot of kids in the back room there somewhere. I I don't know what that's <laughs> all about. But uh, uh, getting back to Donna, that's the new vice president of operations. She's uh, visiting <laughs> and uh, she's, she's critiquing everything that's around. <laughs> Tommy, I see what you're saying about uh, you know the way the Lightning, I guess, looked mm-hmm. like they did in 2018. Although it's a it's a different team in a lot of ways, There's a lot of different mm-hmm. people. Right. Um, but and and look, you, you you're right. Tyler Johnson came up with the big goal today, and and that's important, uh, obviously. But um, again, I, I just I, I, right now the way they're playing, and again, you know, I, I don't think. This is for seeding. It's to find their game. I don't think they're playing with the edge that they need to play with uh, or will play with when they get into a an elimination round uh, matchup against anybody. But, you know, Tommy, based on what I've seen in these two games, uh, despite mm-hmm. that theory and what we saw last year against Columbus, I don't feel comfortable about the Lightning against anybody except maybe Ooh. Florida. I, I, I think, wow. look, I still think they're the more talented team no matter who they face, except maybe Boston. I think they're even more talented than Washington. But, again, the exactly. problem the Lightning have had is that they don't have that edge that you have to have to, 
but just grind it out and win consistently. We saw it last mm-hmm. year. If they don't develop that, uh, you know, if they don't figure that out, they could have some problems. And, and I just, I just think if it, you know, if it comes down to an elimination series, uh, outside of, you know, outside of Toronto and Florida, uh, and maybe the Islanders, I, I think that they're going to be up against it physically. And that the other, you know, their opponent is going to be able to, to, to push them around, maybe outwork them, maybe out hustle them. And, uh, you know, if they can get some good goaltending, frustrate the light. So my concern is still, uh, you know, do they have that grit and that jam that you need to, you know, to, to, to win consistently uh, when it's when you start to play for uh, for keeps here? Oh. Tommy, they jumped out uh, two to nothing. It looked like they were going to take control of the game, and and uh, yes. as Roy said, but I thought one of the interesting things. I don't know whether you two fellows had a chance to see the whole game, but yes, uh, with eight minutes to go in the second period, uh, they had a great shot of Coop in the, on the bench, and and you could just see. Uh, I mean, he just go like yawned and said, "Oh my God, what's going on here?" <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Did, did you see that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That. And, and, and look, I I read that the same way that I read the game. It's like, what are we doing here? You know, as you just said, Don, they had a chance again, second game in a row, to just take this game and put it away early. You're up two nothing. Right. You're out exactly. playing the opponent. Yes. You're out skating them, and then you let up on the gas. You know, when you got mm-hmm. your foot over the throat of an opponent in, in this situation, you have got to press Fair. down hard and put them away. And twice now. And I, look, maybe they're saving it. Maybe they're saving it because the game doesn't really mean much. You know, it's proceeding, and maybe they don't care one way or the other who they face. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't don't mind. Uh, you know, I'm sure I like, can't believe like it. After the performance, Roy, after the performance they had last year, get knocked out. Yeah. Bing, 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 bing. How could you? How could you think that they would go into any kind of a series, whether it's the playoff elimination or the final, whatever, that they wouldn't be up, ready to go, playing at their best. No, I agree with you, Don. I, I, I'm perplexed by it because uh, we haven't – I mean, we've seen individuals play at that high level, you know, in, in key moments uh, late. But, but as a team, they're not. Uh, as you pointed out, bad penalties. Uh, guys floating a little bit here and there. You know, Kalorn makes a nice play. Tyler Johnson makes a nice play, but you know, you just got other guys, you know, who just don't really show up and and they let up a little bit. You just can't have that mm-hmm. because here's the other team. You know, they're thinking, and I think I think the word's out on the light. It's like you know, you might fall behind on these guys, but you can rally against them. You know, if you, the the hard part is solving Zaslevsky, but you can rally against them in terms of outworking them and out hustling them and and just you know, banging them a little bit. And I think the word's out that that's what you can do. And we've seen two teams, two teams do it. It's why I'm anxious to see how they look against Philly. They really, I think, right, turn, exactly. turn, treat this game against Philly as if it's an elimination game and say, okay, this is how you play 60 minutes. Go out and show me that you can do it. I think you're, I think you're right about that off you right now. they got a good young goaltender called, called you over there and, Ex-Ranger head coach over there. But I think thing right now, I mean, with the Lightning playing some good hockey, won two games in a row against two arch rivals in Eastern Conference, I think Philadelphia will, will be the scary to Eastern Conference right now, guys. Before before this virus came about, Philadelphia was hot as 
how does that swing those games up there? They're crucial home and home versus Washington. They they split that series. They're down to two points and could all be going in that month of March. As we know, it's a great month to watch hockey. But Philadelphia was was down by two points, and Lightning was was rated teetering at that Boston game up there. So I hate to say this, but look out Philadelphia in the Eastern Conference right now. Oh, I think it's a great well, thing. Before we I go, you're right, Tommy. Before we go to another series, uh, yes. because there have been some great, there have been some very interesting, if not great, play of the games that we've had a chance to see. Uh, the Islanders couldn't put it together. Uh, they no. played at 12 o'clock yesterday. They played at 12 o'clock today. Uh, can't make that as an excuse. They lead the series two games to one. Uh, right. I thought Torch, I thought Torch in his post-game uh, press conference hit it on the nose. Uh, the, one of the biggest plays of the game was there were called for too many men on the ice. And, boy, did he uh, come straight out and say, listen, this is a game of, con- this is a game of concentration. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he said we, we were outplayed by the special teams, which was just the opposite yesterday. Uh, they outplayed the, the special teams was all in favor of the Islanders. Today, uh, the special teams didn't do very much. And uh, it, it was it was interesting, but it was, it's been a good series between the two teams mm-hmm. so far. And we'll see what happens at noontime on Friday because that's when the next game is. Yeah, you're you right, Don. The hockey's been great, uh, especially oh. particularly with the, uh, you know, with the okay. uh, qualifying games. Uh, those, those those matches have been really special. Um, the only one I really can't speak on is Arizona. I haven't watched much of them. Um, but, yeah, you're Lucky. right. All the others, uh, they're tight. They're looking good. You know, the Islanders have trouble scoring. That's going to be an issue for them. I don't think they're ready to – to go very deep just yet, but they've got the defensive uh, mindset. Uh, you're right. They can't afford to make mistakes like that. Um, and, Tommy, you, you hit it on the head. I thought, you know, had the season gone on the way it was, you know, the way it was meant to, Philadelphia would have been a very, very scary team to watch uh, because they were just absolutely – they had clearly found their groove. And, and I, I think what they – the only thing they lost, um, I don't think they've lost anything really uh, except momentum a little bit as a result of the shutdown. But what they've got as a result of, you know, their time away is a great deal of confidence. They haven't lost that. And um, no. And I think it showed in the way they played against uh, Boston a little bit. And, and, uh, and again, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see how they look here against uh, Tampa on Saturday because, look, they are going to be a tough team. Uh, they're going to get a they're going to get a good matchup. Uh, could be Carolina. You know, we'll see what it is. But yeah, I think that's the team to watch out for for sure. They are. Some, I don't. I don't even want to call them a dark horse because I think they're better than a dark horse. The Islanders to me are a dark horse. Uh, Columbus a bit of a dark horse. Um, but you know, don't forget these teams have all suddenly gotten a chance to get healthy for the most part, and uh, yes, that's it's showing. Right and, and that, and you know what? So Philadelphia is going to be a little bit. Uh, but you know they're healthy too, and it's going to make for some really, really good series uh, when we get to the next round here. Well, Roger's on with us now too. So before we get yeah. Roger, let me just throw one other question at you, and that is one of the more disappointing uh, series has been the Rangers. I uh, watched all three of their games uh, all the way through, and, and the post-game comments as well. And <laughs> it was pretty much, uh, I thought, pretty much a duplication of what the Flyers did last year. 
they had a talented team. The Rangers were the best team the last 14 games of the regular season before it stopped. But they have a lot of young players. And when this tournament started, the young players didn't start with it. And uh, they got wiped out in three games. And uh, I thought that was a very disappointing series uh, from every standpoint as far as the Rangers were concerned. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, we didn't see uh, Zibanejad do, you know, play at the level that we saw him at. I, I, I get the feeling they just they just couldn't quite ramp it back up. And uh, you're right, young players, I think that had something to do with it. Um, they're not there yet. Uh, they were, look, I think they were fortunate to get in the way they set up the system. Uh, they probably wouldn't have been there if it had gone on, you know, through the course of the of a, of a finish, a normal finish. Um, so I'm not really surprised. But yeah, I am disappointed. I thought they could have shown a little bit better. Um, you know, we may have seen the last of their goaltender as well. Um, it's hard to know at this point, but uh, uh, we may not see any more of him in a, in a Rangers uniform, at least. Right. Yeah, he played 129 straight point. games in the playoffs, and I think uh, uh, they talked about it in the post-game press conferences that uh, – he has one more year left on his contract. We're talking about Lindquist, of course. And he has one more year left, and it's going to be up to him to decide uh, whether or not he wants to go back as a backup goaltender because they just, you know, put all that emphasis on bringing a young man in from Russia, and he wasn't able to play in this tournament. But uh, he will be able to play next year, so it'll be a question whether Lindquist wants to play at all. But let's get to Roger. He's been hanging on there, and Roger, go hey, to it. Roger. Hey, well, listen, I just want to say that uh, one of the highlights of my life was getting to see uh, uh, quite a few of the flyer games this year before the pandemic. And uh, I'll tell you, Roy, they are a good team, a really good team, an enjoyable team, and they've got a great coach. He's the perfect coach for this group. And they have Carter Hart. And I'm going to be surprised – if in a couple of years Carter Hart is not the best goalie in the NHL, I'll have I'll ask Ooh. your opinion. No, I I see where you're coming from. He has definitely got the ability to do that. The coaching change was uh, was right on the mark. I mean, it's, he just what they needed uh, there, and really rallied the guys. And they brought in some you know some veteran leadership, some guys who've been through it before know how to play in the playoffs, know how to, you know, grind it out through the course of a, of a regular season as well. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what. I didn't think that they would be as strong as quickly as they're showing. I thought we'd probably, be, we'd probably see this next year. I thought they'd be good enough to get to the playoffs uh, as maybe, a, you know, an eighth seed or something and, and maybe hang out, maybe even win a round, uh, win a series. But right now, I'll tell you, like Tommy said, they, they could really be the, the surprise team of the playoffs because you're right, and you've seen them up, you know, up close, but they are a very, very good hockey team. They've got everything you want, and uh, including tremendous coaching. A coach who's been there uh, really like that group a lot. I, I like what they do, and uh, we'll see how uh, Claude Giroux and uh, some of the others can, uh, can handle it when they get, uh, get a taste of the real deal here in, uh, next week. It's going to be fun. Well, I'll say- I'll tell you, Roy, the fans are back, okay? The fandom, the Flyer fandom was always very dedicated. And Tommy, Don, Frank, we all know that going back to the 70s. And But I got to oh, tell yeah. you, they're back. You see a lot of – I wear a Flyers cap around all the time now. 
And uh, I'll tell you, the fans fans are back. That's important. You know, it is important, Roger, because that's a team that's going to be – that's really going to get rallied by that. They haven't had that support, you know, necessarily for the last year or two while they were rebuilding here. And like I said, the surge that uh, got them in and and got them into the – you know, they didn't even have to put it go into the qualifying round. When they get back and start playing for real, uh, look, they're not going to have it here in the bubble. But uh, but come next year, this is a team to watch going forward. It really is. And I, and I think, you know what, they're, they're going to get a boost emotionally just from the support that they're going to feel from Philadelphia. Uh, you know, teams are a lot of teams are doing a lot of different things. Like did something really cool, which was had all a bunch, you know, hundreds of fans uh, sign a uh, – uh, a piece of plexiglass, and they put it up in the arena. And, you know, the, the players really got a, you know, got got touched by that, and and I think something similar uh, could help rally the Flyers as well. But uh, again, come next year when those fans are back and uh, and rabbit again, boy, that that's going to help them a bunch. I was just going to say exactly the same thing. I, I think you have to remember they're not playing, you know, at the Wells Fargo Center. They're playing that yeah, unfortunately. outside the arena, which fans aren't going to make any difference. Whether they're rabid right now in Philadelphia, it would make a tremendous difference if they were playing oh, yeah. in their building. The other thing is, uh, Roger, I would say that, you know, it's great to talk about goaltenders. And there are a lot of good goaltenders in the National Hockey League, and I think you're right. The Flyers have a, a very, very outstanding young goaltender. But I'm going to tell you. You might be a great goaltender for 20 games or 30 games, and all of a sudden you hit a little bit of a slump. you got to be a great goaltender when it counts. you got to be a great goaltender when they get to the playoffs, and now we're going to see in the in the tournament and the playoffs, we're going to see whether this young man steps up and plays like he did all season. Well, he could, well, well pretty right. good against the Bruins. Let me tell you, Don, I don't think anybody could have looked any better than he did against the Bruins. Yeah, but the Bruins have looked awful. Yeah, but the Bruins are a good team, Don. Let's face it. I mean, they oh. they were a higher seed than the Flyers. You know, you can make all kinds of things. Well, they have been a, been a good team in Orlando, I'll tell you that. Or, or in, uh, Toronto. Well, yeah. Roy might have a different idea. He might be, have a completely different idea. Go ahead, Roy. Well, here, here's where, guys, I, 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 Don, I agree with what you're saying. But, I mean, I see where you're coming from. But here's the thing. We're about to get into the playoffs with a coach in Elaine Vigneault who's been through this and knows how to coach up a team for the playoffs for the long run. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to have to rely on the goaltender as much. They're going to need him, no doubt, just like every team. But this is a guy who knows how to shut you down. This is a coach who knows how to set up his team to play a defensive-oriented system, go out there and do the, you know, the grinding and everything else, uh, so that your goaltender is not left out to dry all all night long. So, I think the, I think Corey Hart's going to benefit from that. Um, it's going to allow him to play his game, not put too much pressure on himself. It's going to be a, you know, he could be a little bit starstruck here, not starstruck, a little bit of deer in the headlights uh, maybe early on because. It's a big moment for him in the playoffs, but uh, I still think that there's an opportunity here for him to uh, uh, to really play at a high level, and I think the team around him is going to help him a great deal as well because of the coaching staff, the way they know how to set up a team for uh, for playoff hockey. Roy, Mike Schulte is ready to go. There is a bigger question than how the goaltender is going to go with the playoffs, and says there's going to be a, 
the college football season. So once again, Roy, as always, <laughs> just a tremendous first half hour, a lot of fun and a lot of hockey, and we'll we'll keep it going for the next few weeks. Indeed, Sorry, Roy, I hopefully we'll have football uh, coming up real soon everywhere, just uh, college and pro. That'd be great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great week, Thanks, Roy. Guys. Thanks, Roy. Mike Schulte, great to have you back. Great to have you back with us. But let me ask you this: uh, Are we going to have a full season, a half season, or no season? Oh, good question. Good question, guys. Yeah, we're, no, we're, it's uh, you know they're they're ramping up to to have the seasons. Uh, it's uh, exciting. I know the Big Ten Conference uh, just today. Morning announced their schedule. Uh, not only you know their start dates and end dates, but their actual schedule of all the games. Um, so uh, I believe the ACC is supposed to announce their actual schedule tomorrow. Um, the SEC I think will be following very quickly. They've already announced their date and the start and end date. So you know the league, the conferences are, are gearing up here. They're making their plans. You know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of things that have to be checked off the, the list, so to speak, to, to get to, to, you know, kick off and all that. But, you know, they're, they're moving things forward. Um, and, uh, you know, to have a football, college football season, I think uh, everybody feels it's very important to do that. And uh, they're going to do, as I said before, they're going to uh, leave no stone unturned uh, in an effort to have a college football season this year. And, and, and you know, some big steps uh, taking place in the last week here um, in regards to, uh, you know, naming dates and schedules and all that to, to what they're, they're shooting for. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good first, good next step, and uh, hopefully uh, about a month from now we're going to be seeing some college football. Mike, Roger, the non-conference games are now uh, out of the picture, right? Am I right about that? Well, it appears, you know, uh, at least from a standpoint of um, uh, some of the conferences. I, I know the Big Ten, I believe, is they're doing conference only. I believe Pac-12 as well. Um, uh, the SEC also uh, went uh, conference only. ACC, you know, they, they when they announced their deal, they they left it open to, to have a, have one non-conference game. I think they were thinking that that. You know, from what I read, that uh, that they you know they did that you know with the idea of maybe being able to have the SEC you know play the conference you know let's say the uh, rivalry games with some of the you know SEC teams or other conference teams, but you know with the other conferences sort of you know basically saying they're only doing conference only. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. You know, of course you have the other conferences too, though. I mean, you have. You know the Sun Belt and the and the American and, and so forth. So um, you know that can fill some of those those games possibly as well. So I, I think they you know uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, you know how that unfolds. Um, uh, you know the important thing, of course, is, is to see whether or not they can actually um, you know, have the games and, and play them, uh, regardless of who the opponent is at this point and. Uh, you know, if, if all they play is conference games, and so be it. Uh, you know, in the, the conferences that have said that, too, you know, we're looking at more conference games than normal. I know, you know, SEC, for instance, typically only plays eight conference games. But this year, since they're only doing conference, they're actually going to do ten, I believe. So, 
So it's going to be interesting in, in regards to the fact that the teams are going to be playing more teams in their own conference than they typically play in order to get you know a, a, a larger number of games under the belt. So, so we'll see what happens. Tommy, interesting. Mike, welcome back. Mike, I hope you guys are having a great summer. Mike, I want to tell you some personal news. I know you've been a good friend in the program, good friend of mine. I have beat cancer. Yesterday in my doctor's office, he called my girlfriend up. He says, Tom, the cancer has not returned. So that's great news. And some more, more good news. Um, oh, that's, uh, such that's, a, that's great news. That's okay, the best news, that. Tommy. That's the best you, news. Oh, great well, news so, for the day, Tommy. Thank you. It's just it's been great. So it's been great for that. But, Mike, a couple questions here. Are you guys promoting the ball game itself? Are you going on like normal, like a normal business with this crazy flu going on down here? Well, you know, we, we've, uh, you know, this, this whole thing has been, uh, you know, obviously interesting. It's, it's been a little bit crazy year, but you know, you know, from this, from the get go of all this, you know, we said, look, you know, it, it, you know, the bowl games are towards the end of the season, or at the end of the season, and you know, you know, there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, the conferences, the NCAA, the institutions, you know, they're the ones that need to determine, you know, if there's going to be college football and how that's going to be done. And, and as we, as I just mentioned, I mean, obviously they've been working really hard uh, on, you know, towards that end, and they've been working, uh, you know, and, and you know, uh, making some steps towards that, as we've discussed. And uh, so, you know, from our perspective, you know, we're, you know, we're planning uh, on playing. We're, we're ready to go. And, and uh, you know, you know, we will uh, make whatever adjustments we need to make along the way based on, uh, on how the seasons go and so forth. So we're, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, felt all along that, uh, that we're going to be ready and ready to go uh, with our game uh, this year for our 35th anniversary. And, and, um, you know, like I said, you know, a lot of the other questions will be worked out here in the coming weeks, you know, as they start and, and get into college football season. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just uh, be prepared to, to do whatever we need to on our end. Well, when we came on, I didn't say Mike Schulte has been with the Outback Bowl for almost from day one. And, uh, of course, they're a big, a big factor on New Year's Day. We all go to the game and, uh, you sort of see who's going to be the best players that come in and play in one of the great bowl games uh, that you have on New Year's Day, uh, the Outback Bowl. And the Outback Bowl, uh, Outback does a terrific job as well. But, Mike, one thing I'd like you to answer for me is uh, because of the fact that Big Ten is on, this year is only going to play Big Ten teams, uh, and uh, we don't know yet about the SEC, as you mentioned, but uh, all of a sudden North Carolina – or not North Carolina, but Notre Dame – becomes a member of the ACC. Now, they're an independent Ooh. team, so, you know, they'd be locked out as far as playing football is concerned with teams that are not in a conference. So how did that come about? Yeah, I, well, you know, they, they uh, you know, they you know, I, I think from their perspective, you know, that was that was part of the, the situation of them playing as, a, I'm guessing, as an ACC member, so to speak, this year. You know, they, they've always, they've always, they have a lot of uh, affiliation with the ACC. Um, and in their other sports, uh, they, 
Um, you know, in regards to bowl selection each year, uh, they are factored in as an ACC team in, in certain aspects um, in regards to bowl selection. So, uh, so they already have have that tie-in, if you will. And I think when it became apparent that they were going to lose a bunch of games because of decisions by some of the other conferences to not to only play, you know, conference competition. Um, I, I think it made it probably made a lot of sense for them to uh, to sort of play this year as more of a full ACC member in regards to their schedule and all that. Because you had, you know, you know, like you, you know, their annual game with USC is not going to happen because the Pac-12 had said that they're going to play conference only. Uh, Big Ten, right. you know, they're supposed to play at Wisconsin this year, and they've typically played like uh, Michigan State and that kind of stuff before you know, each year. So. You know that that you know that disappeared when the Big Ten said they were only playing conference opponents. So, so you know it obviously made sense. You know probably for them to to just you know play an ACC schedule this year uh, because of the fact that they you know they already had that that tie in anyways, and and so from from that perspective, you know I think it, it sort of helped them throw out their schedule. Well, Roger, Mike, like yeah, one of the uh, one know, of the great they, things they, about they, the Outback Bowl and all the work that you put into it is how you get the community involved with the bowl and with the players uh, through your, your many activities during the week. Given the fact that they've uh, already canceled the Rose Bowl uh, parade and that uh, the, the parade of all parades, the uh, Thanksgiving Gate Parade, where Santa Claus now has to walk from uh, one end of Detroit to the other. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the with, Mummers, uh, the Mummers parade, parade, Frank. Right, that's, that's what yeah. In the Mummers Parade, uh, will you be able to um, have all the festivities that you've had before? Well, we, you know, we, we'll cross that bridge when we get to. We, you know, we we haven't really gotten <clears throat> to that point. We're, uh, you know, we're hopeful that uh, we can have as many events as we, we typically have. You know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, like I said, you know, they, we, you know, they're they're just now getting to a point where they're, you know, they've determined, okay, you know, this is how many games we're going to play, this is when they're going to be, there's the regular season and so forth. And, um, and you know, you know this, everything that we've been going through the last five months has changed quite a bit, um, you know, up and down the roller coaster, if you will, um, over the last five months. And, uh, you know, who knows, who knows where we'll be five months from now. So um, mm-hmm. so I think the key is, is the, you know, we're going to, uh, plan like I said for uh, to, to have uh, you know you like you typically have and and uh, you know be prepared obviously to make adjustments along the way as need, as needed. So, um, but you know right now we're you know we're, we're just moving forward and and uh, can be hopeful that that uh, uh, things improve. Uh, you know not just you know for us as a whole, but but for you know the, the country and the, and the world. Itself, you know, with all this, and hopefully things will such a way that uh, um, you know we'll be able to operate as as, as much in the normal uh, mode as possible. And I think it, I think everybody's feeling that way. You know, too with college football, the NFL, you know, maybe with baseball, you see you know see them you know doing their best to try and make that work. You know, I mean, you know, there may be some challenges along the way, but uh, we'll, you know, everybody's just trying to work through it the best we can and, and try and bring some amount of normalcy back to people's lives. 
Roger? Yeah, uh, Mike, you don't know when the vaccine, there's a lot of speculation, uh, could be available in October. Uh, I've heard that from some pretty good sources. Uh, But the other thing is getting back to Don's question, you know, I think Notre Dame's probably very happy that they have that affiliation in other sports with the ACC. Because if they had never made that move, they really would have been out there in left field looking for games. And it probably Mm -hmm. would have negated any chance of them ever this year winning a national championship because they would have been playing second-rate teams uh, because, like you said, everybody else has made their move. So I I think Notre Dame's very, very fortunate. I know Notre Dame fans don't want to hear this, but I think they're very fortunate that they uh, partnered uh, with the ACC for basketball and other sports uh, a few years ago. Yeah, you know, like I said, they already have that affiliation, um, you know, in many sports, including, like I said, football. I mean, they've always been, um, I mean, you know, even even in, you know, our situation with, uh, you know, this year, we start our new six-year contract this year with conferences and and our coach and TV partner and Outback. And so, um, and so this, this year is actually one of the years in our new contract that, um, whereby, uh, you know, if a Big Ten team is selected by the Orange Bowl this year, for instance, then we actually would replace them with an ACC team this year, which also mm. includes Notre Dame as a possibility. Uh, right. You know, so, so they're, so you know, so and, and like I said, I mean, they, you know, from a bowl, bowl selection process, um, Notre Dame has always has, you know, recently been. Uh, sort of in that ACC lineup of teams uh, of that that bowl games can select, you know, if they, and it, you know, comes time for their, their selection. So provided, obviously, they're not in the playoffs. So, uh, so you know, that being said, you know, they were already in that that aspect with the aligned with the ACC. So, like you said, I, I can only imagine that it made a lot of sense for them to to uh, to fill out their schedule this year, as a, you know, with an ACC schedule. Um, you know, since they already have that relationship. Hey, Mike, I know Frank. The, I know Frank will love that Notre Dame in, in front of us. In the first right, my heart's Notre... beating really fast right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, but Mike, it's a funny thing. I didn't know that you're coming on today. So here in a, a meeting, a meeting um, last year's Outback Bowl program, I had a chance to call you nothing, but great job as always what you what you did for that program. Great job as always with but you and Jim McVeigh did did for the press all those all those years, Mike. I'd like to thank you for that. It's, and, it's been and great. The way and you I, feed Tommy every year, Mike. No, 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 no. I'm <laughs> on a dive, Mike. Mike, I'm down to two. I'm, I am down. Ready for the down to one ninety nine right now. So <laughs> good for you. Tommy, good for you. You're in better shape than I am. Uh, right, you're up next. Mike, give us <laughs> a sec. That this. Sh- this year, they, they, the uh, numbers of games may be shortened. Uh, how will that affect your uh, your bowl selection committee uh, having to get around to see everything and make sure that every everybody's uh, um, that they've had a chance to truly evaluate the uh, players and teams? Yeah, you know the the, the bowl games, uh, visiting uh, games, and all that has really been sidelined. Uh, the last few years, um, you know, more 
conference agreement with bowl games has solidified more. Um, uh, it's become not as necessary um, from that perspective. And, and at the same time, uh, you know, just the, you know, the, the fact that it's, it's really not as necessary to visit uh, uh, games as much uh, because of obviously of so many games being on TV and so much access to, uh, to watch the games and so forth. So, um, so I, I really don't think that's probably going to even be something that's going to take place this year. I would expect in regards to bowls, sending representatives to games. I, I think that you know the most important thing is being able to to host the game, hold the games, and do it, do it safely uh, for the, the players, the, the coaches, the staffs, and the, and the fans who are in attendance. Um, and so, really, I don't think that's going to make any, any, any factor. I, I think the one thing that you might be alluding to as well is the fact that they're not going to play as many games in, in those cases. Right. Um, I, I think the NCAA has actually already indicated that uh, they that they're going to make a a change to the rules in regards to um, uh, how many wins a team has to have to be in a bowl game. And also, they're allowing teams to count uh, two games against uh, football championship series level teams, what they used to call the NCAA teams, um, to, to yeah. be able to, to be eligible. So, I think some of those things are, are going to obviously be adjusted. As everybody's adjusted to everything that's going on, you know, you know everybody's going to be fair and make adjustments as, as is appropriate, understanding that this is a very unique year. Uh, Mike, Roger. let me ask you. Uh, there's there's been a lot of speculation about uh, for the big conferences uh, starting their own organization. Do you see that happening? You know, like the SEC, ACC, uh, Big Ten, uh, Pac-12, something like that. You mean those those big leagues sort of forming their own? Uh, yeah, forming their own organization. Uh, yeah, yeah have, breaking off no from idea. the NCAA. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. I, you know, I, I think to some level they've all, they they've already done that to some degree when they they formed uh, I can't remember what it's called, but they formed a, uh, an alliance, if you will, those those groups, those power five conferences, uh, with you know getting some. They changed the rules in, in regards to like certain things on from the NCAA rules committees and so forth as to what they can do and not do. I, you know, they came up a couple of years ago when they were talking about doing stipends for the players and that kind of thing. And those conferences yes. all sort of said, "Look, you know, we we need to have different, a little bit different rules in what we can do uh, because we can we can afford to do these things." Because they they kept getting voted down. But, you know, they were bringing up things like player stipends years and years ago, and they kept getting voted down because they were outnumbered um, by the other schools, you know, you know the, the smaller schools that couldn't afford to do those things. And so sure. they they sort of formed a relationship, and I can't, I can't remember what they call it, but some kind of coalition where, where they're able to now have a little bit different rules, you know, that make more sense. For the for the larger conferences, and uh, and so because of that, I think there's probably a little bit less of a of a feeling that they they need to completely uh, separate from the NCAA. But that's just my speculation based on what I've seen and read and all that over the last couple of years. Uh, I I haven't seen anything that 
don't want anybody, uh, you know, feeling all like they, they need to do something like that. You know, that, that obviously, you know, this is a unique year in a lot of ways, and there's going to be a lot of uh, financial effects, uh, you know, not only this year, but going forward for a number of years, um, you know, from schools to conferences and so forth. So who knows, you know, if those types of things play into, you know, what, what changes those will play into throughout the entire NCAA in the way they operate in future years. Because, you know, schools, uh, I saw something today that, you know, one power five uh, top of school, you know, is projecting losing as much as $100 million this year. Um, and you, you don't just turn around the next year and make that up. I mean, that, that's gone forever if that's happened, you know, if those kinds of losses happen. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, the recovery phase, if you will, for NCAA sports uh, happens um, after this year, after hopefully this year, hopefully after this is sort of over, if you will, um, this whole thing, and uh, we're back in a, a normal situation, hopefully next year or whatever. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see the repercussions of, of how things change moving forward uh, because of everything that's happened in the last five months and that's going to, you know, obviously it's going to continue on for, for many months to come. Well, Mike Scholey, it's always great to have you on. The Outback Bowl is one of our favorites. As I say, we have a chance to get together with you and everybody else uh, and for the game well. and, and, and really, really look forward to it. Thank you very, <laughs> very much. We're going we're gonna to have to switch topics out of soccer and, uh, See what we can find out about that. But I'll, the football season should be very, very interesting this year. And I know you'll join us, uh, if not every uh, Wednesday night, very close to it to keep us up to date on what's going on. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, just looking forward to, to having some, some games kick off here in about a month. And uh, hopefully be able to add one more thing that we can, we can start following on TV again. <laughs> Great. <laughs> hey, 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 Mike, you notice that uh, Don, Don and uh, Tommy uh, are, are uh, avoiding my comment about that you tr- uh, feed them very well at the game. Yeah. <laughs> 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 probably be there this year, Roger. You're going to move down to Atlanta. It's only a hot skip and a jump to get from I, Atlanta. I, I have to get down, get down there and be with you boys. You'll oh, be there, no it. question about it. Yes, you will. All right, Mike Simchick, let's get ourselves to some soccer now because uh, a lot of interesting information. MLS tournament continues to go on, and uh, Washington, uh, the hockey team is doing some business. Uh, the football team is doing some business. you got a lot to talk about tonight, so jump in. Yes, yeah, nothing going on at all. Um Right now, the Philadelphia Union are in playing in the semifinals of the MLS's back tournament. Uh, they're in the 16th minute of the game, but they've already conceded a goal. So <laughs> this is the first time in the tournament that the Union are going to have to come from behind. Fortunately for them, they're playing against a team that hasn't had a uh, shutout the entire tournament thus far. So hopefully that trend holds and Philadelphia can pull themselves back into this as they look for the uh, their first trophy in club history. So a great tournament thus far for them. Um, they have a young 19-year-old midfielder, attacking midfielder, Brendan Aronson, who has just been lights out throughout the tournament. And uh, he's getting a lot of buzz as potentially being able to move over to Europe as soon as later on this summer. 
Hey Mike, hey, Mike. How, come these ga- how come these games are not on uh, A lot of them are not on national TV I, I, I like Channel 17 does the union game I haven't seen one game On Channel 17 I don't get it Why, why is because it these games are not televised They are televised But because Fox and ESPN Hold the rights For national broadcasts That's superseding the local so it's all on. Um, it's, for instance, so this one every, right now. Everything is, is in, is everything is national. But like I'm looking right now on uh, for Fox One, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's not on there. Okay, and and the uh, and on uh, I don't know if it's on NBC. Let me see if it's on NBC. But it's really been frustrating for me. That, that these games have not been easily uh, televised. I don't get it. Uh, I, you know what, Roger? I don't know. I've got it on uh, FS1, right? Fox Sports FS1 right now, and it's on. Um, the way that Fox and ESPN choose to broadcast soccer is sometimes baffling to me. For example, this past weekend was the uh, finals of the FA Cup. You're right. The... I'm sorry, Mike. I correct. It is on FS1. I got it right now. Great. Go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. But um, the, this Saturday was the finals of FS1 or uh, of the FA Cup, which is the oldest uh, continually played Open Cup competition in the world. It's one of the most prestigious cup competitions in the world. And ESPN who has broadcast rights to it, chose to only show it on um, ESPN Plus to stream it only on their online prep. So out of all the platforms that ABC and ESPN have, they couldn't find a way to put that game on. However, they could find a way during that broadcast slot to replay a college football game from 2018 between Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman. Wow. Tommy? That's ridiculous. That's Update ridiculous. from Update from Toronto. Montreal won nothing over Pittsburgh, and it was a terrible goal down. As you said, they, the guy was uh, hitting the goaltender. Shane Weber scored the goal, by the way, but what the, what Montreal was hitting the goaltender so hard that he lost the puck. It was in his four or five. It was a couple of Montreal players were in the crease, so it's one nothing. Uh, Montreal over over Pittsburgh, where Montreal in a power play one. 14:42 to go in the first period, guys. Quick, quick update: What's going on in, in the other? With the mics well, I'll update the Phillies for you at the same time, Tommy. They're tied one-one, okay. and <laughs> I'll tell you, poor Joe Girardi. He's he's inherited a tough situation between the virus and the team, and the traveling and everything else. But uh, they lost the first game today of a doubleheader, and so this, uh, you know, this is fictitious baseball. Seven inning games because of the doubleheader. They got to play another one uh, later no, on Phillies, this week. The Phillies won that game, Don. They yeah. won the game, the first game. You said they lost. They won the first one. Yeah, yeah 11 it was like eleven three when I turned it off. Yeah. Well, I was watching hockey. I, I thought they said they lost the first game, but they're one one in the second. I got it all right now. Yeah, they almost did, but they won eleven to seven and. Uh, now I will tell you this again, Tommy, and this is in hockey. One of the things that I'm really impressed about with the NHL that mm-hmm. they changed the the, the dasher board signage yes. for, if you notice, for the home team. Yes. 
okay? okay. Which uh, so mm-hmm. I, I mean that that is a major undertaking because I'll tell you, Mike, I'm watching the union right now, and I see Acme's a big sponsor of the union. It's obviously their home game, so they've done a great job of putting the signage up to make make sure they get all the advertising for the home team. I think that is a major mm-hmm. undertaking. Yeah. I think the union are the home team. It's weird to me because they're wearing their white jerseys, which are traditionally their away jerseys. But, uh, yeah, I'm guessing that they're the home team. But I also did see Acme. They have the um, the uh, Sara Lee, the Artisano. So, yeah, all the advertising boards have been changed to fit what would be around the union stadium. I also don't know if what you're you might see clips. Uh, they have a fan party down at uh, Subaru Park, uh, the, the newly renamed Subaru Park, where the Union play down at Chester. Uh, yeah. Where they have all the fans sitting on the field in their lawn chairs watching the game on the big screen. Oh, that's wow. great. That's great. We need more of that. Yeah. That's fantastic. I also loved it when I was watching today that uh, when I was watching, I was able to catch a little bit of the uh, the Phillies game earlier. Uh, they had the Phillies fans outside the stadium looking in through the gates with the drums and stuff like that. So oh. it's nice <laughs> even with the, even though there's no fans in the stadium, the, the Philly fans still managed to show, uh, show up and find a way to support them. <laughs> well, I gotta That's say, right. in all sports, the uh, Philly fans are as good as there are anywhere in the country, and if there's a possibility right. of being there, they'll be there. But uh, they as they say, right. I, I did not watch any of the Phillies' first game. Uh, I was watching the Rangers and the Islanders, and uh, of course with the Lightning, and I didn't have a chance to see any any baseball today. So right now, I just turned on. It was one one, and uh, the uh, Don, is isn't uh, that a cutout of you behind home plate? One of those cutouts, I swear that's you. And skip it. There you go. <laughs> there we go. You made it. I don't know. Is there, a nice look, is there a nice looking girl sitting next to me? If that's right, that's me. Uh-oh. Well, I'll tell you, the Phillies have the right idea. Mike, I don't know whether you've heard this or not. You make a $40, con- send a picture in, make a $40 contribution to their charities, and you get a uh, cutout. In the stands. And I'll tell you what I noticed the other night at Yankee Stadium. I don't know how they did, but technology is unreal. There was a time they had superimposed fans in the outfield just like it would be from a game like last year. I don't know how they did it, but it was amazing what they did. Well, there was a big story about that in the New York Post uh, either yesterday or the day before. They're having some difficulty, uh, and then, and they're perfecting it. They're really perfecting. They said it's going to be much better in the National Football League than it is in baseball because they have to make that transition. And they say a lot of people that are watching the game don't realize that, that yeah. they're making that transition from the actual play to this to this what looks like fans in the stands. And uh, right. but they developed this over the developed this over the winter uh, when and uh, when they knew there were not going to be any fans in the stands. They got very high praise for it so far, but they're saying themselves it'll be much better for football. The reason is they they they, they, uh, uh, they can't wipe out you know the, the advertising behind the home plate. 
Yeah, and mm-hmm. you, can't, you, you, you can't match up the colors properly, so they got to be very careful as to when they make the transition from the, mm-hmm. you know, from the field to the stands. Wow. Well, that'll be well, great for the that'll be great for the Washington football team. Now they don't have to worry about if anybody actually ever shows up again. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike. Any rumors about what they're going to call the uh, the Washington football team? Or is that a name for and for uh, a permanent name forever? Oh, that's not a permanent name. There is a gentleman down in Virginia who, right after they announced that they were t- changing the name, went out and trademarked all the potential names that he could possibly come up with. So they're Ooh. trying, I believe, to negotiate with them him over rights to certain things. He all but said, like, hey, I'll give it to you. I don't, I don't care. But um, then my understanding well, Mike, is this that... Is a, this is what you call an interim name. That, that's what this is right yeah. now. This is the interim name until they decide the team that the, uh, the logo that they're going to actually use. You know, they want to keep the uh, color scheme the same. So uh, it's going to be a lot of it is going to have to do. They're going to have to have a name that fits with it. You know, I right. know that they had talked about the possibility of the Washington Generals, but there's a uh, organization <laughs> in basketball that might have a little bit of a problem with that one. Um, they talked about the Washington Red Tails have been a really popular one. I think that's a little bit odd. You know, not that Roger, you would know. Did not the team that played the Gold Titles weren't they the Washington Generals? Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. the team that played the, the Globies. Yeah, the Washington Generals. Yeah, so they would. I would think they would have that name patented. Yeah, that's what I was. Oh, yeah. That's what I was referring to. The fact that the Washington Generals um, aren't going to let the Washington football team take it, uh, especially now. You know, gone are the days where you could have. Well, yeah, guys, I got a great idea for Washington to do. Browns did this all those years. They had the team colors up there, nothing on the helmet. The Bengals did it too for all all those years. They had the, the Bengal the Bengal orange up there. Cleveland just had a brown, an orange helmet with white stripes coming down there, and that's about it. They, 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 they Washington called the Washington Football Club, and that's it. I yeah. always said what they needed to do was just to change the logo to a potato, and then everything was fine. They could still be the Redskins. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Good one, Mike. Well, 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 uh, you, you know, you know what's ridiculous. You know, they they the survey says that of all yeah. these uh, different Indian tribes, they did not have a problem with the Redskins right. name. It's just these radicals that uh, want was, to start uh, Roger, it wasn't even that. It was more. It was actually more the corporate people that pushed this. Well, it, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was a lot more based on what was going on with uh, FedEx, and mm-hmm. he's a part. The, the uh, chairman of FedEx is a part owner of the Redskins, and right. when he said that he was going to sell his part of the team and pull his corporate sponsorship because he no longer wanted to be affiliated with that anymore, that was what really motivated it. Because I'm but the thing that has impressed me out of all of this is there are two people. One, Trader Joe's. They went to Trader Joe's and they said, you have to change the box packaging you're using in your stores now. And the owners, whoever they are, and I don't know who they are, but 
they said, we're not changing anything. We're going, we're going to use the same thing that we've always used at Trader Joe's, and that's the way it's going to be. And and the, the video, and I think, Roger, I think you were the one that sent it from the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins when the coach yeah. met in the locker room, and he said, look, anybody that decides that they don't want to respect the national anthem will not see the ice in this tournament or in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I'll right. tell you, they were two. To me, they are the two ringleaders that I'm in favor of right now. I I, I just think that somebody's got to stand up. Yeah, and the right. commissioners don't. That's the problem. We got the weakest commissioners you could imagine, and somebody's got to stand up to these players and tell them, "Hey, yeah. listen, you don't like it, then you can forfeit some of your salary. You won't be playing instead of making ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty million a year." It's a lot of BS. I'm sick of it. Well, as I say, Trader Joe's and the Pittsburgh Penguins are the only team that have actually come out full force and said, we're not making any changes. That's the way it's going to be. And and as I said, I'm not sure it was a coach or whether I was an owner or a coach. It, it didn't say on the tape that we had, Roger, whether he was an owner or what. But all he said was, we respect the national anthem and – if you don't respect the national anthem, you're not going to hit the ice. That's it, period. Oh, Don, it probably has to be Mike Sullivan. He used to coach John Tortorella here in Tampa. He torched it a couple of years ago. If you're not going to – you're going to sit down off with this cup and the Kaepernick thing. If, you, if you're going to sit down off the bench, you're not going to play tonight's game. And it's all, all simple. Simple as all that. Yeah. That's it. Well, what, what, what's going you know, on, Mike, in our nation's capital? Uh, on Black uh, Black Lives uh, Way in front of the White House. Uh, as far as I know, not much of anything. Yeah, everything's. Although I haven't been down there in a while, so. Uh, but uh, as far as I know, down here it's just business as usual. People are back to, you know, we're back to. We've got the cap. Yeah. We've got the. the uh, we've got the. Mats, we've got the Wizards all playing, and people are back happily. Like, uh, I've been able to sit and pretty much watch sports all day since noon today. It's been great. Well, well you know, I, you know, I, I've, I've watched sports all my life, and I've watched the – I've worked in the NBA. I've broadcast NBA games. I refuse to turn the NBA on. I will not watch an NBA game until they straighten this out. That's period. I, I won't watch it. I'm with you, Don. I will not refuse to watch the NBA. Absolutely. I'm sick Same of it. Same here, Don. Same here, Don. And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, Rito the other night thought it was disgusting, LeBron, the way he comes out there looking like he's so mean. Okay? He's so upset about things. Yeah, how can you be uh, upset about things when you're making, what, $30, $40 million a year or more? you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Come on. Well, he actually started that when he was in Cleveland, Roger. He, he, you know, he used to come over to the table before the game when they were introducing, and he grabbed the, the I don't know exactly what it was, whether it was powder or whether it was uh, rosin. I don't know what the hell it was, whatever it was. Yeah, he, he's been doing that for years, so that's that doesn't surprise me. But uh, uh, you know, to me, uh, he, he's got to be a leader in my view. He's got. He's making all the money. He's doing everything. He's got to be a leader. He's got to stand up and say, boys, we're making one hell of a lot of money here. And uh, mm-hmm. somebody's got to somebody's got to stand up. I'm not against it. You know, if you want to have 
you know, black lives count. Yeah, I agree with why black lives count. But I want to see them out in full force in Harlem and in Detroit and Chicago, all these NBA teams. I want to see them when this season is over. I want to see all those players and everyone in Los Angeles. I want to see every one of those players out stampeding and saying, look, you know, black lives count. We all believe black lives count, but you better stop all calling lives each other. Matter. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, you, you, just you saw Herschel Walker. You know, he's now getting to be a spokesman, you know, on, on what it should be. And, uh, you know, and I want to see these players working in the inner city. Uh, cut down on this yeah. black, black uh, uh, killings, black. I mean, it is out of That's control. That's what I'm saying. Go to the go to yeah. the cities where all this trouble is, and, and yeah. go in force. Take the whole Los Angeles Laker team and take them down in, in, in Los Angeles and say, "Look, we got to stand up." And, you know, but they're, they're not doing anything. I want to see. No. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's awful. Anyway, Mike. Uh, what if you were to pick a name, Mike, uh, for the Redskins, the new name? What might it be? Just your opinion. Um, if I, you know, it's hard for me to say. I always, I, I would have loved to see them be the generals. I thought that was good. I would like to see them be the senators. You know, I don't know what conflict that could possibly have with the existing nationals, like whether or not they actually still kind of own that trademark. But since we don't have Washington Senators baseball team, why not be the Washington Senators, the Washington Justice, something like that? Um, it's something that would be representative of the fact that this is the nation's capital. Hmm. Hey, Mike, it just, uh, it just came across a lot, the uh, wire on uh, that they have renamed the, the uh, Washington football team after Congress. It's called the Liars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they got that right. Got that That's right. right. <laughs> I, 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 I Perfect name Washington for Jokers it. might be another one if we could just name it after. <laughs> we could just name it Washington Jokers, but, you know, apparently it's not. <laughs> With all the conversation, Mike, is there anything new? Uh, you, you talked with us a couple of times about uh, the new stadium that may be down where Robert F. Kennedy Stadium uh, is per, uh, presently situated. Uh, has there been any conversation about, you know, you said that uh, the uh, government owns that property. It, how, what's it stand? How's it stand? Um, as as far as anything, there hasn't really been any movement, which is still a little bit surprising. Um, they do have to, you would think, within the next, by the end of this year, have an announcement of a site, um, some design, something like that. There hasn't been okay. a lot of movement. There hasn't been a lot of movement in a couple of years, which is relatively surprising. I still think, though, that um, D.C. is the preferred place. The issue, again, is, is Dan Snyder down here isn't popular, and if he has to put something up for a vote for a tax increase or municipal bonds or anything before voters, and it's not being political or anything like that, he's just not popular. And if he has to go into D.C., or Maryland or Virginia and say, I want to 
raise taxes or put some sort of something in front of him so that he can get financing financing for the stadium, which is what he wants. It's going to be a really, 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 really hard sell for him to do. So I think right now the preferred thing would be to put the stadium back in D.C. He also owns a lot of land, enough to build a stadium around where the current Redskins Stadium is. However, he's got to make sure that they get some better access in terms of uh, public transportation and highway access to that site because getting in and out of FedEx Park is, or FedEx Field is an absolute mess. It's a nightmare anytime you go down there. And the parking, you know, it's 40 bucks to park on game day. It's outrageous. You Mike, you Mike, let me interrupt for a second and ask you: Can they? Is there any way they can put, you know, better roads in? Not the not the throughway, uh, which runs right next to the stadium. But is there any way that they could put access roads in and out if they did use that land not only for for parking, but uh, but also for people to get in and out easily? I'm pretty sure if he wanted to, he could. And mm-hmm. I think the big issue is figuring out a way to get public transportation access to the stadium. You know, it's a mile and a half from the nearest metro station to the stadium. Figuring out some sort of shuttle, something like that, that would enable people to take metro uh, to and from the stadium. Another issue with that is, of course, Metro down here is a bit of an adventure. You get on, you never know whether or not you're actually going to get to where you want to go. The people who run Metro make the people who run SEPTA look like they know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, no. Well, what, you know, what's the the other station, the Metro, that's over there where Amtrak? Because that's what we used to do is get off of Amtrak and then take the shuttle over to FedEx Field. Uh, and and yeah, that's, that's one Carleton. question. That's about as that's one of the closer ones to it. Largo is the other. Yeah, one. New Carrollton. Yeah, but Mike, how Largo about how Car- about the site of the old beautiful Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland, where you have access to uh, uh, Metro and also to the Beltway? Well, that would be a great site if there was already a mall there. Yeah. Mm. They, once they tore down the cap center, they built right over that. So that's all uh, multi-use. I think it's a multi-use community. It's got, you know, like shops and condos and stuff oh, like okay. that over there. Okay, so, it's, so it's no really longer the available. Sites, yeah, really the only two sites that are look logical would be uh, the one in where it is right now or downtown D.C. They had talked trying to put it down by the uh, MGM Grand Casino down in National Harbor, which would, I mean, that would be a great, but uh, that involved a land swap between the federal government and and Maryland that they didn't pull off. So I guess it's that, and then we just haven't heard any movement from it. I would expect that sometime soon that they're going to have to figure it out. If it's not going to be where RFK is, that it's likely going to be in Landover, Maryland. There isn't a lot of, I guess, existing real estate that they could buy up around inner city D.C. to put it someplace else in D.C., but they've torn down the armory. RFK is going to come down. It makes sense for them to go back to playing there. 
there's just yeah. one. Of, there's just not a lot of appetite though for you know putting. The Mike, do you think they'll build a smaller stadium? In, in other words, uh, it seems to me that the attendance all around the National Football League is going down. Uh, you've talked about it in soccer, how you try to build a stadium that's comparable with uh, what the, you're going to be able to sell tickets, create some type of a demand. I think the National Football League is going to have to start to create some type of a demand again. And I just think a stadium that, uh, you know, maybe it's too many seats, 90,000, maybe, maybe that's too many. Well, he's taken it down from a hundred to, you know, to seventy something. I think something along the lines of what you see at Lincoln Financial now. If you look at Lincoln Financial Field compared to FedEx, Lincoln Financial may have fewer seats, but the footprint of the actual stadium is bigger. It's got more boxes. Um, the concourses, the way the stadium is set up, it's just it, the footprint is actually larger. So in terms of the size, the physical size of the structure, I think it'll be much bigger than FedEx. You know, FedEx, mm. when Jack Kent Cook put the stadium out of his own pocket, and you can tell where there were some things that they did that even in 1996 that you just don't see. There's obstructed view seats, um, things like that, that just really haven't existed in modern stadiums in forever. I mean, you know, yeah, Don it's, it's and I like, were in those obstructed seats in the press box. Yeah, <laughs> the press box is over a catwalk. It's really weird oh, how that place it, it was about putting in as many seats as he possibly could in the smallest area possible. Um, hmm. So, for instance, like when they had the Army-Navy game down here, the field is so small and the stadium itself is so steep that they couldn't jump in because the wind was blowing just enough that the paratroopers couldn't actually get down into the stadium. Wow. They didn't have enough room. So I think the stadium itself will be bigger, but I wouldn't be surprised if it only seats about sixty-nine to 75,000. Yeah, that was my feeling. Spot. My feeling is exactly what you're saying. I, thought, I think 69, 70,000 is more comparable to what the game is supporting right now. And I, I just think when you build something bigger than that, uh, and, and Bill Giles, uh, I think it was one of the first ones to talk about it when when he talked about the vet. There was never a demand. You didn't have to buy season tickets, or you didn't have to go out and buy advanced tickets because you knew you could always get in. Now, well, look at it. They took seats out of uh, Yankee Stadium. They decreased Yankee Stadium as originally, like the old Yankee Stadium was like seventy-two, and this one is like fifty-two. So right. they they're taking seats out because. The prices are too high. There's no demand, and because even though there's no demand, they're still charging the same amount for tickets. Mm. You know, and to be honest, FedEx isn't a great place to go and watch much anything. Uh, I had somebody try to give me tickets to go down last year to go see the Redskins Eagles game, and I didn't want to be bothered driving down there in December to sit there. Mm. It's it's crazy. And like, what about your Washington uh, Capitals right there? I watched a the game the other night. Update, guys. Update real quick in Toronto. The Pittsburgh Penguins two, Montreal Canadiens one. Real close to the end of the first period. And I'm like, I was watching the uh, the Lightning and the Capitals game, and you and the only guy that came really played good for Capitals, Nick was some Backstrom up there. Sure, Veskin was there. Brandon Hope was pretty fair, but I I can't believe it. 
I think I think Tampa Bay has has Washington's number right now. They were there were a lot of hitting going on in that hockey games the other night, and it looks like Lightning, Lightning is lucky to win a Kucherov's uh, throw in a shootout right now. But the Capitals, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think like you all said before, he came on the best team in that shootout is, is, is the Flyers. We'll find out on Saturday who's better, who's the better team, the Lightning or the Flyers in, in the shootout, and gets in that shootout gets your first put. First seed in, in the division, division playoffs. So, this is a lot of interesting hockey, Mike. Your view about that? Well, it was a three-period game between the uh, Caps and, and the Lightning. I guess the right. problem was that for the first two of them, the Caps forgot that they were supposed to be playing. <laughs> yep, they forgot something there. <laughs> but, um, but then again, when the Caps did, did get it on, it's Vavileski was flopping around again. And I thought he got over that stuff, is flopping around. He did the same thing against Boston today. You know, a stand-up goaltender was like the great Bernie Perrant and, 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 and like uh, all these other goaltenders are playing in the league, like Ben Bishop but, and Carey Price. But, you know, Vavileski flops around. He's down low as a cat. You can't see the puck. And guy in Boston today was charging the net. Unfortunately, they, they lost to the Lightning today. But it's just, it's just this crazy, this tournament. What do, you, what do you think about this tournament so far? I mean, it's been it's been interesting. Um, you know, it's really been interesting to see how they ha- how the games on um, how teams playing. You know, I've watched both Lightning and I've watched the uh, the, the Flyers mostly. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of the other uh, the other games. I've been flipping back and forth. Uh, I have, as I mentioned when they first got started, you know, the ice conditions are a little bit weird. I mean, you're playing a game mm-hmm. on ice in July. And even though they're yeah. in Edmonton and Toronto, it's right. not like it's like 30 degrees. So the ice is playing a little bit different. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of what the Caps are. Tomorrow's game uh, at between the Caps and the Flyers to me it's one of the really, really interesting ones of this right. sort of exactly. uh, uh, of the shootout because you had the team that was super hot going into the lockout, came out. They looked really good against the Bruins, who we thought were going to be head and shoulders above everybody else, picking up that win. And, and you had the Caps, who looked sluggish, and the right. Union just missed the penalty. So oh. that was a big one. Um, but if the Flyers, the Flyers have been great against the Caps all year, three zero and one. And in the last three games, the three wins that they've had recently, they've outscored them fifteen to six. So if we see another performance like we did from the Flyers. A, that's going to set them up very, very nicely going into that last game against the, uh, the, the, the Lightning because they're going to be playing then at that point for the one or the two seed in playoffs. Who would have thought that that's where the uh, Flyers were going to be at the beginning of the season? Um, but if the Caps can do what they do, if they figured out, if they got the malaise off, you know, this is a veteran team something that I've been stressing since they came back. This is a veteran team. They played a lot of games together. You know, they know what they're supposed to do. They know how to play. Um, If they can get back into that rhythm, then we know what they're capable of. 
remember, it's only been about two years since they were parading down through D.C. with the Stanley Cup, and the team hasn't changed that radically. I mean, yes, their coach is different. You know, Barry Trotz isn't there anymore, but that team itself hasn't changed that different. So we know that they they can do this. We know what uh, Ovechkin can do. We know what Ovechkin can do. We know what Braden Holtby is capable of when Braden Holtby's on his game. You know, um, Mm -hmm. Backstrom, uh, they, they have a lot of talent on that team. A lot of veteran talent. So I'm going to be watching closely tomorrow to see how they match up. I think if yes. the Flyers go out and they're able to get the win, then things are looking really, really good for them. At the same time, if the Caps take that loss, um, it might be a long playoffs for them. I think, though, you want to see a rebound game from the Caps. You know, the Flyers are playing with bonus time. Anything they do from this point on is exceeding expectations. It's the uh, Caps that kind of have to live Mm -hmm. up to them. Down here in Tampa, it's the same thing. After 126 points for the the record, they broke the record, and Kucherov's all this stuff right now. And what I was watching the other night, as Kucherov was going toward the net and hitting bodies in the corner, he didn't do that in the playoffs all last year. Howard Johnson, a assassin, went toward the net. And we we gotta get Phil on the show. And Phil was used to say, skate toward the net, let the sh- let him shoot, shoot, skate toward the net, and finally I'll score. And and that's what happened for that's what happened for the Lightning today. What can happen the rest of the playoffs? I I hope so, and I hope Pavelski stands up in the crease. Don't be squatting down in in the crease. That's where all your goals are scored. One thing other also to watch out for tomorrow, Tommy, is that the uh, Caps are only going to have two centers. Uh, Marcello left the, uh, the the bubble to come back, and um, because his, his this is getting birth to their second title, so uh, he will conceivably be out for the remainder of this round robin. Because even after he gets back, he's going to have to quarantine and go through the multiple tests before he back out on the ice. So for right a while, the Caps are going to be down uh, down to two centers. Ilya Samsonov, who was their backup goalkeeper, he's been out for a while. And he's not going to play again this season. Yes. Apparently, it came out to, recently that he hurt his back in an ATV accident. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is just crazy. Why everything's been going on? Mike, where was he going that he was going to have to be quarantined when he comes back? Where did he go home to? Canada. Uh, uh, I follow where he went home to because I don't think that he resides permanently in this area. However, once you leave the bubble for any reason, you have to quarantine when you get back. Okay. So, Shame they didn't have a quarantine for the uh, Florida Marlins, right? Well, I mean... That's created a really interesting situation because the Nats who are playing today have played eight games so far this season. They have yet to play on the road. Oh, jeez. Derek Jeter had a great explanation, a very lengthy uh, uh, column in the the New York Post a couple of days ago and talked about the fact that they were following protocol, the the fact that they have 20 uh, between administrative people and players 
that have come down with the virus. Uh, uh, he he, uh, he was saying that the organization itself does can't take any responsibility for that because uh, they've had everything in place dramatically. They've had everything in place for the organization. They've had everything in place for the players. And, uh, you know, they're not going to take any responsibility for what happened. You did well, say that. In there that they got complacent, and it wasn't a matter of like they were going out partying or going down to South Beach and hanging out. But while all the mechanisms were in place, they weren't following them as diligently as they could. And all it took was you know guys not wearing masks, guys high fiving each other, doing stuff that they've been told that they're not supposed to do. And we see what what can happen and. I think Major League Baseball is like one more Marlin situation away from having to shut down the entire season. Well, I'll tell you, between the postponements and the virus, if if the virus hits one more time, I don't see how they're going to be able to complete 60 games. Well, I don't know they're going to be able to complete yeah. 60 games anyway, but uh, I, I don't know how they're going to, you know, they're making a sham of it now. <laughs> and, uh yeah. I don't. I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna finish it. Doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know how they're gonna finish it. It makes me wonder how. I hope that Roger Bell is watching this and seeing what's going on in baseball because you know baseball roster is what twenty six, twenty eight guys. A football roster is double that. Oh, easily. If you're going to go with the same thing, and I've said a number of times, we've seen it work where teams can play in their home market. I just got done watching an entire European soccer back end of European I didn't, soccer. I didn't hear you, Frank. You say Doug's on? Here's here? Yes, sir. Yes, he is. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it can work. They just need to, uh, to pay attention to what they're doing. So, with that, I will see you guys next week, and I will turn it over to Doug. Mike, Doug's ready to go, and the PGA is ready to go out to San Francisco, and I'm looking for I'm looking forward to that on two fronts. One, the fact they're playing yep. in San Francisco, which means that the golf will be on late. I think Sunday night will probably be on almost at nine o'clock, and they're going to get yep. to see a heck of a heck of a lot more golf in prime time than you do during a normal week. They had a great tournament last week, and Thomas, uh, you know, brought home the bacon, and he's now number one. Uh, but yeah. I'll tell you, let's bring Doug Hamilton in, our PGA yeah. pro from down in Baltimore. And, Doug, give me a little uh, thumbnail sketch of what you like about this PGA. Hey, Don, before, well, we, uh, before have... we do that, we have a public service announcement. The, we just got a uh, communication in from AARP uh, congratulating uh, Doug on his new membership since uh, Sunday right. is his birthday. So happy birthday, Doug! <laughs> oh, happy birthday <laughs> to you! Sixty-two yeah, already, right? Yeah, I'll be. Uh, <laughs> I'll be forty-six on Sunday. I hope I'm hoping to get a full scholarship from AARP. <laughs> <laughs> you probably will. <laughs> you probably will, Doug. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to be you know, number getting, one. You're recruit. getting in Tommy's class now. You don't want to pay for anything. You're getting you're, free tickets to football games, free tickets to baseball games, free tickets to. I can't believe it. Yep. You got to step up. Got to step up. I'm looking for free refills on coffee at McDonald's, buddy. 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, a discount to Wendy's and also uh, Wendy's and Taco yeah. Bell. How <laughs> about right. free chicken at uh, Royal Farms? Uh, you know, uh, the benefits are endless. <laughs> So, no, I appreciate give that. Us, give I, us some know, golf information. Don't listen to these guys, Doug. Give me a little golf. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would agree with you, uh, Don. That um, it's nice to have. Um, it's nice to have a major uh, back in in San Francisco, and I think that you know there was obviously a period of time in in golf history where that was you know that. Uh, area was uh, very prevalent. I saw a, a piece on that uh, live at the PGA on on the Golf Channel today. They were talking about the different golf courses that you know have have hosted different things uh, championship wise over the years. There, in fact, it looked like the guys were uh, in their practice rounds wearing long sleeve uh, stuff. So it's it's pretty pretty chilly there. Apparently, I would say it's probably in the low 60s. Um, you know, which is a stark contrast from my everyday here in the 90s. Uh, you know, and, and yep. humid and hot and all those sorts of things. So it's just like when they play the British Open typically in in July and, and you see uh, guys wearing knit caps and sweaters and those sorts of things. And it just kind of makes you think that, you know, the season uh, of cool weather is right around the corner. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Tiger Woods is, is in a pairing with uh, Roy McIlroy and, and I forget the third, but, um, you know, everybody's looking forward to, uh, guys like Justin Thomas, uh, who won last week, as you mentioned, uh, playing very well. And, you know, when you get into that kind of West Coast scenario, you've got a lot of guys that are familiar with that with that area, the Phil Mickelson's and guys like that. Um, you know, I, I, for one, enjoy the PGA Championship. Obviously, that means a lot to me as a PGA professional for the winner to ho- hoist that trophy and, and represent the PGA of America. And, you know, obviously there's a, um, a host of, of club professionals that make their way into that event and get a chance to compete uh, with the big boys for the week. And, and it's nice to see them uh, get that opportunity and rep- represent the club professionals at that level. And, and there's some damn good players that play in that, you know, from the, from the club standpoint. So, um, you know, there's some 28,000 PGA professionals that, uh, you know, do their thing, whether it's as a touring professional or club professional like myself or a teaching professional or, uh, the many different classifications that uh, that exist, you know, within the PGA of America, and um, you know, it's a great tournament to watch. And you know, obviously, Don, we've talked about uh, the whole COVID thing and, and how the schedules have been uh, changed. Whether you're, you know, a hockey fan, a baseball fan, a basketball fan, or or whatever, uh, at least you now have a chance to watch some different things. But you know, I mean, I think golf, as we've chronicled over the course of time, is one of those sports that. Um, you know, stands the test of time because you're not, like we said, you're not guarding anybody. The equipment isn't, you know, sweat-filled. You know, the uh, the social distancing and, and all the different things that comprise that are, are in a much safer environment. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this week and watching them play. Mm-hmm. Roger. Tommy, go ahead. Oh, okay, Doug. Doug, uh, welcome to the show again. And I, I just want to tell you some great news from my, my personal self. I have beat cancer. I went to the doctor on Tuesday. He got the test back. I only have to work for the magnesium, but I beat cancer, he said. So that's a, so I'm very grateful for that one. You should tell the good news, but I, I guess that's the bad news, Tommy. Hey, you know, guys, uh, I, I just want to interject something here that uh, 
a lot of our fans don't know, uh, and something that we should uh, we should tell everybody is that uh, Tommy, you're talking to a survivor. Uh, Doug also <laughs> has beaten it. That's right. Uh, yeah, that was seemingly a long time ago, but it's you know it's certainly a club that you never want to be a member of. But once you are, you're yeah. damn glad you you made you made it that far. So. Um, you know, congratulations to you, Tommy. I know that um, from the time that you get the news that you know that something's wrong to uh, all the different oh, treatments and battles and uh, how it affects uh, everybody and your family and your friends and your circle of people. And you know, to me, there's there's no greater um, there's no greater person than your than your caregiver, whether that's you know your mom or your wife or your girlfriend or whomever. Um, you know, because they they can't fix what you have, you know, and, and no, if you, no. you feel bad or, or whatever, they there's nothing they can do but, you know, take care of you the best they can. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, that's a very tough position for a lot of caregivers to be in because as much as they want yeah. to do for you, they only have, a, you know, a certain limitation that they can help you with. So uh, my hat goes off to all the, you know, the health care providers, the doctors, the nurses, the caregivers. Um, and all those people that make that a, as comfortable of a ride as it can be. And uh, for somebody who actually goes through cancer, um, you know, it, it certainly changes your perspective uh, on ma- very many things that you do. Um, and it's it's a struggle. Um, you know, every, every day is an absolute struggle to, uh, you know, just kind of get through the day and, and, and do the best you can to uh, mitigate, mm-hmm. you know, all the different treatments and, and drugs and Know, how tired you might be and 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 all the things i mean you you take things for granted like you know getting dressed mm-hmm. and taking showers and going to the grocery store and all those sorts of things and they become uh, more difficult during that time frame and uh, you just have to be a very willing participant and trust the fact that uh, your doctors uh, are doing the right things for you and uh, depending on mm-hmm. your level of faith um, and religion that uh, you know that that you'll pull through all that and uh, congratulations to you for for enduring all the, the tough days and uh, you know for for coming out uh, all the better on the other side and I um, certainly hope that that does change your perspective on on things in terms of uh, not just your life but other people's as well. Good yes, point. Good. Yeah, Don, Good point. Don and I have both been through that, uh, uh, Doug. Uh, we lost our yeah. first wives within five months of each other, 1997. Uh, oh, we both died of cancer. Yeah, so you can't say enough about it. You can't uh, donate enough money to the cancer fund because so many people have it has touched their lives. Uh, uh, maybe, as you said, yeah. in your case, Doug, you were fortunate enough that everything went perfectly well. In some cases, it doesn't. But yeah. boy, the more and more research that they can do, the better off you know we have a chance of of getting a cure. Well, for sure. Yeah. Our friend, uh, we have a good friend, uh, Doug uh, Frank Hillman, longtime friend. And he's gone through it with his wife now with breast cancer. She went through chemo and now radiation. And uh, he's with her every day. So you're exactly right. The caregiver is the key to uh, mm-hmm. a positive attitude and, uh, and, and recovery. No doubt. Well, I mean, the, the, the chemotherapy in itself is, is a very, depending on obviously what, what version of cancer you have, can be a, a pretty brutal regimen. Um, you know, the... Uh, the, the many different drugs they give you, um, you know, obviously you, 
you know, you, you don't feel good, you have nausea, they give you a drug. The nausea drug makes you feel a certain way, and you got to take a different drug to offset that. You don't feel like eating, and you lose weight. You lose your hair. I mean, all, all, all these things that, that mm-hmm. tend to uh, wear, wear on you and take their toll after a while. But my, my goal every day was, you know, what can I do today? What is what what is my today worth to me, and what can I do? Mm-hmm. How can I be better today than I was yesterday? What do I have to get through today to, to, to get to tomorrow? And you know, you, you absolutely have to have a positive uh, outlook. And, again, I, I, I truly believe that your your family, your friends, your faith, and all those sorts of things uh, play a major role uh, in your attitude. Um, you know, and, and there are some people, and I'm sure you're one of them, Tommy, that was just stubborn as a mule that, you know, that said, you know, I don't care what, what this thing throws at me. I'm, I'm going to be okay. And, and you know, mm-hmm. by golly, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this thing, and, and I just have to show up every day. You know what I mean? Well, Terrific. Doug, it's, it's, Terrific. Doug, wasn't for every Wednesday night in that hospital bed. Couldn't wait to talk to you guys every yeah. Wednesday night for this show. It made me yeah. think of two hours uh, of get rid of this I'm healthy again. Sure. Got your and mind you off guys, of it, right, Tommy? Right. It wasn't One thing I can tell you, Tommy, it's going to take about 75 yards off your drive. <laughs> I think I can ready. <laughs> I can ready. <laughs> Let's get back to the tournament coming up. Yeah, 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 get it back to the PGA. And, and uh, I'll tell you, Kupka had a yeah. terrific, terrific uh, piece. I don't know how many people saw it on, on, on National, but you didn't realize, you know, T- Tiger was number one for 281 consecutive weeks. And now we've had right. three separate yeah. number ones in the last three weeks. Uh, and Kupka... <laughs> Wrote this, wrote this article, not wrote this article, but talked to the reporter and, and said that he'll ne- he thinks that'll never happen again. Not only because it was Tiger, but because we have mm-hmm. so many young players that are so good. Yeah. And we've talked about this over the last two or three years, Doug. I, I think yeah. that golf has has the greatest, deepest number of outstanding yeah. players that can win any tournament at any time. And I think Cuff sure. is absolutely right. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. Um, there is a very high level of competition uh, week in and week out, and there's a lot of hungry players that, um, you know, that just get their card or, um, you know, kind of make a good living on tour, but then all of a sudden something clicks. Um, you know, you have your, your KG veterans uh, that, you know, get a resurgence of, of their career uh, that we've seen over the course of time. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, anything can happen at any given time. You have to put – you know, some good rounds together. We, we watched, um, you know, Tom Watson almost won the British Open that one year um, at, a, at right. an ageless uh, scenario. So, you know, it's it's what makes golf golf. I mean, it, it's um, it's fun to watch, and, and um, there's a lot of parity um, involved. I mean, it's, you know, very rare that you can watch sports and, you know, you can see some of these point spreads where, um, you know, teams dominate uh, for, for years, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, somebody upsets somebody. It happens in college football. It happens in pro football. I mean, we unfortunately the the Ravens were were on the other side of that, having a 14 and two season and losing to the Tennessee Titans uh, that we watched last year. And that's that's what makes sports great to watch. Um, but yes, there's 76ers. Uh, 76ers were the biggest underdogs in the history of the NBA that won the other night. I think they were 26 yeah. point underdogs going in, and they won wow. the game. Hmm. Yeah. That's why they play the game. That's, That's right. why they play the game. Sunday. That's right. That's right. Sunday, NFL, Bert Bell said that. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
Oh, Doug, I got one question for you. What is your, you know, yeah. what's your tip of? I was out there the other day, and I tried to get my swing down. What, you know, for like yeah. 65. What do you think you should do? Should you sit, stand straight up at the ball and lose the 15, 20 yards, or do you flex your legs and get down after the ball? That's my that's my question. I got. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know, for somebody like you, Tommy, who's likely played uh, a number of different uh, sports over the course of his life, I mean, I think that as you stand at the golf ball, you should be in an athletic position with. Uh, your feet about shoulder width apart. Your weight should be spread about 50, 50, 60, 40. Um, I think golf is obviously the kind of game where um, you need some a lot of rotation. You need a lot. You need a solid core. You need um, a stable platform to be able to move. And people discount the amount of footwork that you need. Um, as you would say, well, you know, you're you're playing somebody in, in basketball. You're guarding them in defense. Are you going to be on your toes? Or are you going to be like kind of towards more the ball of your foot or towards the heel? I mean. You know, if you're on your toes, he's going to go right by you. Um, if you're, you know, returning uh, Rafael Nadal's uh, serve and you're on the baseline, you have to be in an athletic position. you got to be able to range either way. So, you know, I think that from a posture standpoint, you need a straight back. You need um, to kind of, for lack of a better term, stick your rear end out. You need a little flex in your knees, and you need okay. some good footwork to be able to make uh, weight transfers and, and rotations. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank Roger, you, sir. Oh. <laughs> well, I was just going to say uh, the I think it's interesting, Doug, how uh, they're broadcasting uh, games and also the golf tournament where they have uh, maybe the one anchor at the uh, tournament and then they have uh, other guys back in the studio or at the uh, golf channel down in Orlando. And I'm just wondering yeah. if this isn't the wave of the future, even if uh, things get back to normal. That, that this is the way they'll be broadcasting. Well, you know, you're seeing, I think, a lot of that in baseball as well. I mean, I think you're seeing oh, yeah, the guys absolutely. in the booth, and you're seeing, you know, right. that, um, I mean, I, I watched a game, I guess, the other day where, where they brought Chipper Jones in um, to kind of start his, um, you know, uh, you know, play-by-play kind of call and stuff. Um, I mean, it's I, before before this call, I was listening to the Orioles, um, I mean, granted, I know the Orioles are terrible, and I get it. I just it was something to listen to on my longer commute home here, and they had the um, they, well, they now my commute now is, is about forty five fifty minutes, and so I'm listening to a lot of different stuff. I'm listening to uh, all kinds of things on the radio, but they they made a big deal out of a out of a woman being um, a play by play, and I was listening to her kind of do her thing, and she was she was okay, um, but I mean. You know, certainly the radio is a little different aspect than, than what we're talking about with TV. Um, but, yeah, they're they're cutting in and out of – I saw Rick Sutcliffe. I saw all these different guys that were doing their thing on, on ESPN and, and Major League Baseball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's no different than working from home. You know, they can watch, they can watch the game there too. Yeah. Doug, I think uh, one thing I'd look forward to this weekend, uh, Jason Day's been in a long slump just like uh, Jordan Spieth has been in. Uh, but he made a great yeah. run last week and uh, and really finished very very strongly. He's thirty to one going into this PGA yeah. this week. And uh, the one thing that they have written so much about over the last week and a half or two weeks, golf has all of a sudden become one of the great betting sports uh, in business right now. Now whether it's just they only had you know they were in the in the tournaments by themselves with nobody else playing for such a long time, but they say all of sure. a sudden. 
golf has blossomed as a betting sport. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I think that uh, fans fans and gamblers alike are very starved uh, for something to put their money on. And I think when you look at, you know, the size of the fields in golf, it gives you an opportunity for all the gamblers to say, hey, look, I'm I'm trying to put some money down on something that's going to give me a greater return. I mean, I would rather lose 50 or 100 bucks with a chance to win 1,000 or 2,000 than to bet on the chalk. I mean, that's like I always say. When a, when a horse leaves the gate at fifty to one, I tell you what, that horse don't know he's fifty to one. You know, so <laughs> he's got to take a dump somewhere. Right? I don't think I don't think Jason Day knows he's thirty to one either, but he is. No, <laughs> sure, that's for sure. But I mean, you know, listen. I mean, I've I've placed bets. My dad's listening. He'll tell you we we've we've put our heads together and and said, hey, look, you know, we really like this horse. And then we look at each other and think, boy, that's kind of stupid. He's 30 to 1. And then all of a sudden, the son of a bitch wins. So, you know, you think to yourself, like, I don't know, any, anything Matsuyami, can happen. I mean, Matsuyami, you know. Matsuyami is 50 to 1. You want to go to a 51 coming out of the gate? Matsuyami's 50 to 1. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'd go that deep in the field. But um, I, I think if you're looking for something to, to gamble on, I think if you're if you're in that kind of price range, I think you're probably looking at somewhere between seven and fifteen to one. If you were if you were looking for a greater return on your investment, there. Hmm. Interesting. I have to have to look that look that over right there. So it's, yeah. But, yeah. But I'm saying it's great watching horse racing from Saratoga on a regular basis, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Saratoga is a good racetrack. I mean, I think if you know, if you're up, you know, there's a lot of Gulfstream, uh, you know, during the winters is a good one. Um, you know, there's a there's a multitude of, you know, different racetracks. Um, you know, Keeneland, Churchill, Del Mar, Santa Anita. I mean, there's a bunch of tracks across the country. I mean, you literally can, can gamble on a horse race at any moment of any day, you know, depending on whether it's international or United States. So, um, yeah. Well, if you're looking for your 24-to-1 shot, Candley's the, the the guy for you to go to go for. He's one of the one of the favorites out of the middle of the pack, and uh, we'll yeah. uh, we'll see see what he does. But twenty four to one, he is. I wonder oh. what's um. I don't know if you if you have Don. I don't know if you have the odds there in front of you. What's uh, Xander Shafley? I mean, I would think he's. Uh, uh, he is. Well. He is eight. He is eighteen to one as well. Yeah, eighteen to one. I mean, he he wouldn't be a bad. You know, if you were if you were betting horses, he'd be the third in your exact box. I think. He's got five top six finishes and uh, has finished uh, the last three years. Let's see, in the major tournaments, uh, he's done very well in the major tournaments. Uh, so that that's another, yeah. that's another player. That's another player that would be certainly one to look at. I mean, you know, if you were if you were you know just looking for a bet, I mean, I don't think that's a bad place to go. But yeah, I mean, I think you want to be in the seven to twelve somewhere in range if you're looking to to actually win something to get a return. Hey, Donnie, Don, how about Tiger this week, my boy? How about Tiger, your boy? I mean, uh, we talked about him with his tremendous record of being number one for that number of weeks, and uh, he yeah. had uh, a little difficulty the last time out. He hadn't played. Uh, now he's played a little bit. He's got one tournament under his belt. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think? Hey, guys, can we hold up a minute until we talk to Doug for, for a minute? Frank just said, tick, tick, tock in my ear. After, you know, these are the best two hours on, on radio right now, Frank says, tick, tick, tock, we got to go. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hey, Tiger, before we go, we'll we do it again next week. 
Hey guys, All before right, we go, we got to congratulate uh, Doug on the, his. The, he just moved into his new house uh, this last week. Well, congratulations! So, uh, congratulations! congratulations. That, yeah. that, Doug. Is a house or a mansion? Oh boy, it's a mansion. what it's 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 a beautiful <laughs> house, and uh, there's ha- there's happiness, Don, that lives inside of it. That's the most important thing. Oh, there you go. Your mom, and, your mom and dad are happy to get you out of their house. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. There's no question. That's a no. That's redundant, Don. <laughs> well, it's a oh, state like go. Don lives in. Uh, yeah. Next week, fellas. Next week, have a good one. Okay. Right? Great, great job. Okay. Tommy, right, the best so. news we had all night was that you're cancer-free. Our thank prayers you, are God bless you. Doug, thank you for coming on every week. I'd like to thank special guest Mike Roy Cummings uh, from Tampa com coming on. And also a special guest tonight was Mike Schultz from the Outback Bowl coming on, Frank. I think we might have a football game on New Year's Day. I, I hope we That's do. Like Wouldn't that be something? That'd be something yep. we got to do. And mo- most of all, Frank Carroll for, for spinning the dials at the old Cleveland radio station. They spinning those dials, keeping us on the air. Hey, Frank, for my family, your family, be safe, be safe, be safe, and God bless. Thanks, Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week. In grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women of police and fire services. When you're out there and see somebody in uniform, please acknowledge them. These are very tough times for everybody out there with COVID and everything else. Um, they need your help, especially the first responders. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman J.B. Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Banger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yaswitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman and Officer Chris Lakeland PD, uh, Chief Al Hogle, along with Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotloff. Uh, <clears throat> Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Delaware State Trooper Sergeant Rodney Bond. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Ferry Ficus, Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Ardeth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLE Special Inspector Vinnie Galaccio. Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Boward. Uh, Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highlands County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerba, De Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Drew Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great day. 
Yeah. 